What's up, everybody? It's me, Greg Miller, and this is a very special Gamescast Presents. It's a brand thing we just made up. I don't know. No, what happened is I went down to sunny Los Angeles with one Kevin Coelho and Jean-Vierre saint She didn't do anything in this, though. To interview Andy Serkis. That's right. Star of stage and screen. All about Planet of the Apes Last Frontier out November 21st. We talk about the game, performance capture, what got him into it, and then, of course, just his insane career as well. Do we talk about why Nick Scarpino hates him? We do. And then, uh, does Andy get mad at Nick? Maybe. Here he comes. I'm just saying, Circus, when you direct Galaxy of the Planet of the Apes, put Nick in it. No, right? you were never saying. You were saying no, he was too talented. I love him. Ladies and gentlemen, here's this interview. Enjoy it. Uh, last, This isn't sponsored. I mean, Last Frontier's out. I think it looks really cool, and I think it's going to be good, so we'll see. But I don't know yet because I haven't played it. What, Nick? do Universe of the Apes. Let me just be a character in it, is all I'm saying. You don't. You've insulted the man for months on the show saying he's too talented. He takes all the good roles. And now you're going to try to be on it. Just watch. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the interview. As I live and breathe. Andy Circus. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you. Planet of the Apes, Last Frontier. Is it good? Because I want. as soon as you guys <laughs> announced it, I thought this sounded awesome, looked awesome. Let's play a story from both perspectives, make choices, have them matter. Did it come together? Is it a good game? I think it's a really great game. Okay, go I hope great. so. I mean, yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, it, it, the great thing is it's taking that the, the Apes franchise and making it more immersive. Yeah. It sits between the stories of Dawn and War. So it's not, it's not just like, oh, here we are making a video game of the movie that you've just sure, seen. Yeah, yeah. It's a completely other universe, uh, different, loads of different characters. And, and, and as you point out, you, know, you can play both as humans, you can play both as apes. It's a moral maze. It's, uh, it puts you very much in the, in the, in the decision making. Yeah. Uh, you can play as a, as a group. You can play it's, a, it's supported by PlayLink as well. Right, so, PlayStation so you can 4, play, yeah. PlayStation 4, so you can play uh, using your device. Um, well, that's what's cool about it, right? And why I thought it was such a natural fit is the idea that, hey, let's take what people love from The Walking Dead or cho- choice-based games like that, bring it in, and then make it a party game where we all right. are sitting there voting on your, your phone. Because every time you play one of those games, you have someone next to you going, no, 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 hit B, hit B, and then it's, oh, well, that's exactly. what I wanted. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, we, we, you know, we didn't want to make a, a, a first-person shooter. We, sure. just, we, we wanted to make something that was a collective experience and uh, and that and that thematically followed the line of the movie which is about empathy which yeah. is about you know True. about you know I'm going to be going through this story you can lead aggressively you can lead um, cooperatively you can choose to not wipe out your opposition but but try and collectively arrive at a peaceful decision it's I, I think it's it very much follows the tone of the movies in that respect well I love the idea of the fact that it's a movie right it's an apes movie it's in the universe it's how it's supposed to be but you can replay it with a different group of people and get a completely different reaction than what absolutely. you had the first time. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So how does this happen for you and Imaginarium? How do you guys get involved with this? Did you know you always wanted to do video games? Is that something you wanted to be a part of? Well, yeah. I mean, interestingly, the Imaginarium really came out of my experience of working on video games. So yeah. uh, back in 2004, I'd just come back from making King Kong with Peter Jackson. Sure. And I, I arrived home thinking, what's going to be my next move? And I was approached by a UK-based games company called Ninja Theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
um, who were starting to make a game called Heavenly Sword. Of course. And they asked me if I would direct the performance capture for it because Tammy Mantegnades, who was the CEO of the company and creative lead there, said, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I really feel like we've arrived at a time where performance and script and storytelling is becoming part of the video game world. And I, and I in, coincidentally, I really started to become interested in it because my kids were starting to play games sure. and I just thought, look, we spend so much time in the movie world perfecting scripts, perfecting story, putting, pouring so much energy into you know, making this the best storytelling experience. Why shouldn't it be the same in games? And why is there this strange attitude towards cutscenes? I didn't, because I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't a gamer at the time, but it's sure. just like people had explained it to me like, no one watches cutscenes, nobody cares. Skip, 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 you know, skip, just, skip, just fire the action. It, you know. yeah. And at that time, I thought, well, people probably don't watch those because they're not emotionally engaging, or mm -hmm. they don't, or mm -hmm. their scripts aren't very well written, or you don't really care about the characters. Right. And that was what uh, that's what the that's where it, so that's where it sort of came from this desire to get involved in storytelling. So so we and I wanted to approach it like a movie. So yeah. we rehearsed with our actors. We and this all sounds very old hat now, but in fact, it was sort of groundbreaking at the time. Well, I mean, like I mean, if people don't remember Heavenly Sword, a PlayStation Three exclusive, when it was coming out. You were, it was tip of the sword of like, oh, the graphics are on such another level. This was as we started to see stuff from like Uncharted. It was where are we going to push this where it can be more than just what God of War was, which was a great game and great action, but we can tell a story in it. Right, right. So it was a really beautiful start, a really brilliantly written script. Yeah. And then the whole casting process, rehearsing process, it was just like you would do for a movie or, or even a play, actually. Yeah. We, we, we got really deep into character with everybody. And then when it came to shoot it, there was nowhere to shoot it in the UK. So mm -hmm. I had to take the whole team over back to New Zealand to Weta. Yeah. And, 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 and so they, they ended up making their first video game. And we ended up you know, having the expertise of, of the, the world's leading performance capture people at the time. So, so when I came back to the UK after that experience, I thought, this is nuts. You know, well, we've got to, I've got to create somewhere in the UK which can be a sort of a, a creative hub for next generation storytelling. And, sure. and on my sort of business plan, I wrote, I want to make all of Shakespeare's plays as video games. Okay. That was, that was the idea. I, Just I wanted, rip off the greats, I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and and, and I thought, there's got to be a way of doing it. Um, so, that, so, so the Imaginarium came out of that idea. And then I then worked on um, Enslaved, which, yep. which Ninja Another Theory, Ninja Theory made, game, uh, Again, uh, with Alex Garland uh, writing this time. And he was then pushing the idea of, um, you know, well, you don't necessarily have to have cutscenes. Why don't you have drama and gameplay happening at the same time? Yep. Um, and so, so I became fascinated with that. Anyway, then we set up the Imaginarium with a view to uh, what we um, our mantra was sort of next generation storytelling, and it was using performance capture in all the emerging kind of uh, new transmedia sure. opportunities like virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, and video game, of course, and, and and trying to lower the costs of performance capture so that it wasn't just the the remit of big blockbuster movie fare. Yeah. Know. So that so that's that's where it all came from, and then and then we we the company started to expand, and we had this this two prong sort of attack, which was you know pushing the art and craft of performance capture, and then and then creating content as well. Um, we then came into contact with a guy called Martin Alltimes, who was who uh, worked with Disney on the, all their big franchise uh, games. Yeah. He came to work with us, and then when I started making the Apes movies, we thought, well, what an extraordinary thing we could do if, if it's possible to get the rights to, to expand the Apes world and, and, and to tell an immersive 
story through, you know, a video game story. So, with the Apes world and your involvement there, talk to me a bit about that. As a huge fan of the original Planet of the Apes movies, right, when it all started again, James Franco, we're doing this whole thing, I'm like, okay, great, yeah, this is awesome. I didn't realize, obviously, well, I mean, it's 20, well, it, it was back, it was old back then, but it was in the 2000s, you know it's going to be multiple movies, right? But it didn't, I didn't sit there and think of, oh, it's an Apes world, it's an Apes franchise, it's going to be transmedia, it's going to do all these different things. When you start on that first one, do you know it's going to be that? Is that the plan forever? No, not at all. I mean, I was sent the script. I, I was blown away by the script. I mean, I, I like everyone, probably thought, you know, really, another Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. I mean, I loved the Have we not ones. learned our lesson? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, the, the previous one wasn't, you know, so great, yeah. you know. And, and, but I read the script, and it was just mind-blowing. It was just a beautiful piece of writing, a great character, and the arc, Caesar's arc was just phenomenal, this yeah. orphan this orphan chimpanzee who, you know, is brought up by humans who then, you know, discovers himself to be an ape. And yeah. then and then through the, through having had the experience of empathising with humans, is able to empathise with, with all different kinds of apes and lead them to freedom. Yeah. Um, was, w w was just, you know, it was an extraordinary thing. But I didn't know it was going to go any further than that. Okay. Um, and, then, and then when Matt Reeves came on board and started to evolve the second and the third film, um, it, Caesar's journey just became something else. You know, it just became this, this, you know, this wonderful opportunity to play a character from birth to yeah. to death yeah. and, and go through all these extraordinary. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm think, kidding. I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> uh, to late maturity, and then, uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, but but to go through all of these huge changes and yeah. and, um, and you know, as his family. Um, you know, his extended family becomes a, a, a movement, and a, you know he becomes the founder of this this tribe, yeah. um, and then into this last movie, um, which becomes a, a personal journey of revenge. Um, so, so it was a, so I, I became increasingly involved with it, and then and it was it was as I say, sort of whilst we were shooting War, that we thought, oh, I wonder if we can make a. You know, expand. You know, sure. because obviously, to get back to the original 1968 version, there's still a lot of storytelling. That's there's still a lot of storytelling potential there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, well, that's what I love so much about the idea of the game, and when it got announced, was okay. First off, you're playing in my wheelhouse of let's tell you an awesome video game story. Let's let you make the choices. Let's have them matter. But it was the idea that all right, cool. This isn't Caesar's story. This, yeah. These are apes who have gone up into the mountains. Now there's a, they're, they're starving. They need to start coming down. They start hitting into humans who are having the same problems and what happens there. Exactly. And you get to tell a story in a world that, yeah, has had this virus break out, right, and kill most of humanity. And what does that look like? And then it also opens it up to, man, there's so many other interesting stories to tell, I bet, happening exactly. around the world, not even just the country. Be correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, got a, you can make a lot of games here. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the biggest challenge then for making Last Frontier? I mean, it was really the, the tonally to make sure that it was, that it was, uh, it felt in the same wheelhouse as the movies, yeah. uh, that we, that the, you know, we were working fantastically. We were able to work with Unreal and uh, an epic, you yeah. know, and, and their rendering is just so incredible, as we, as we all know. Um, so we were very, very happy with that. But it was just putting all those pieces together and then finding the right writing team, finding, you know, Martin was, was he formed a company called The Imaginati, which is an offshoot, a sort of sister company in the Imaginarium. Yeah. We shot it in our studio. 
but but he was very much responsible for finding the, the director, and, and obviously I was sort of keeping an eye on on it yeah. as, as ambassador of the franchise, the movie franchise. Uh, I you know was sort of keeping an eye on it. It's just it's lucky you have so much free time that you could oversee these projects. You know, I mean, you're doing nothing else. Well, just yeah, no, I, like to, I, I don't like twiddling my thumbs. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, apparently you don't like sleep either. I'd imagine <laughs> you're just bouncing around a bit doing all these different things. Um, so then, what is your hope for the game? Like, what do you hope players get out of it? Well, I really, you know, I, as as we did for the for the for the movies, that people will become emotionally engaged, and and it causes debate, and you know, there is a there is a sort of it continues that the social commentary, zeitgeist sort of feel of, and. Uh, looking at the notion of other and how you cope with other and how you mm. choose to either make it work or, or, or sow the seeds of your own destruction quite sure, quickly. Sure, sure. So then you talked about it, you know, the, you're the brand ambassador for apes, right? Going, for you, where does this journey start? Where you become literally like, oh, they're gonna use, they're gonna make a CG character, Andy's gonna play him. Because I feel like it's just, it's gone. Like I work with this guy, his name's Nick Scarpino, right? He's a lovely man, he does not like you. He says, he says you're too talented, that you get too many jobs, that you just, but it's, this, it's true. Hey, we're gonna do this, we're gonna make King Kong. Hey, we're gonna make Planet of the Apes. Hey, we're gonna have Gollum. Hey, it's always you. It's, and now, on top of it, you being too talented in the CG roles, you're now coming over into the Black Panther movie, being a real, it's just, I agree with Nick to an extent, you're doing too much. I worry about your health. But where does that start where you become the guy for a motion capture work? Well, gosh, I mean, look, I, I, I was really lucky and I had an amazing time uh, being at the sort of the f beginning stages of making, at the tipping point between visual effect becoming character, which was mm. with Gollum. And that, that journey was a phenomenal journey. But I thought that was coming to an end at the end of Return of the King. And I thought I'd be going back to my life as, I mean, I'd already started to want to direct. So I knew that that was something that I was heading towards doing. Sure. But I thought I'd go back to be doing theater and TV and film and, and uh, what an amazing experience Lord of the Rings was. And literally in the final throes of, of, of finishing Return of the King, Peter Jackson asked me to play King Kong. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? You know, and, and he said, yeah, we, we want to use the technology to now to bring Kong to life. And I'm like, well, I mean, look, I understand, I understand why, why, why Gollum works. I mean, he, you can read what Gollum's thinking because he doesn't stop talking to himself. And, you know, you can figure out what he's... But Kong, how do we make that work? You know, but, and then I realised, and it was this huge kind of epiphany uh, moment, which was, uh, I, I, you know... Really up until that point, I, I thought that was a one-off experience. Now I'm playing, uh, you know, I've now played a three and a half foot ring junkie and now I'm going to be playing a 25 foot gorilla. It's the end of typecasting as, yeah. as, we, know, as, we, as we know it. Yeah. So that was for me the point where I go, oh, there's more, there is, there is a lot more mileage in this technology and God, if I can play all these things, then it means that any actor can actually play anything. Sure. Regardless of, of and, and, and I got very impassioned by the idea, philosophically, that actors can, regardless of, of their height or size, their color of their skin, their age, their sex, they can literally embody anything. Become anything, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's what fired me up, and then that, that sort of went on into, as I say, coming back, and then the video game world opening up, and then the, 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 imag the imaginarium idea, that concept of, you know, creating storytelling in other, uh, you know, transmedia arenas, you know. So you talk about, you know, the jump from it being visual effects to character-driven pieces. Yeah. That was a light bulb moment for you. Yeah. How long in, you know, Gollum to Kong to so on, 
Did, do you think it took for other actors or Hollywood to wake up to that? Or were they there and I'm just being naive? No, I think, I think it's, it took a long time. In the same way that, you know, the, the, the film industry had a very disparaging view of the video game world. Sure. You know, uh, it, it sort of took time to... I remember when we were casting Heavenly Sword, you know, it's just like, oh, gosh, do you think we could get so-and-so? Do you think they'd come and do this? I mean, it's only a video game. You know, it, yeah. was, that, it was very much that attitude. Whereas now, it's just like people are dying to be in video games because the scripts are great, the characters are really exciting. You know, you're part of something fresh and new and you're able to expand as, a, as an actor into a, another arena. Of so, so, so it has no problems attracting A-star, you know, talent sure. now in the video game world. And you, you would know better than me. I feel like when I talk to the actors who excel or come, excel in voice acting or come over from movies to do this, the ones that do the best at it are the ones that have either a theater background or just that drive to do that. Because there is so much of it of, I'm in the ping pong ball suit and I'm picking up this uh, this wooden rod that's now a rifle, right? Do you see that of like people want that creativity again? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think there is a real, you know, I mean, film acting is fantastic and the subtlety of it. And, you know, but, but what people didn't realize is that you can have that subtlety and be something else sure. and and be other you know i mean you know you look at war of the planet of the apes 50% of that movie is in close up mm. it's the subtlety with which now an actor's performance can be rendered um, uh, you know, as, as on another physiognomy is 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 extraordinary. Um, so so that is what is becoming appealing and and so when it came to for instance um, casting jungle book the the one that i'm sure. you know People were really up for it. People were really excited. You know, to, you know Christian Bale was really excited about the prospect of becoming a panther, yeah. or, ben, or Benedict Cumberbatch becoming a tiger, or Kate Blanchett becoming a snake. You know, and, it, and so it's not. It's now no longer a sort of um, a big gamble. Or, yeah, or, a less than or, or, right. Or, 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 yeah, 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 it's it's sort of what an extraordinary, exciting potential opportunity, and 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 a, and a real interest in trying to broaden their scope. You know, so. Where does that leave you? How do you broaden your scope when you're already so broad? Like, what do you want to do? What do you, what do you still want? I well, mean, is it every project's different? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 all always story driven. It's always kind of like you know, as an actor or as a, a director now, you know, it's kind of you know, what excites me? What do I feel a real strong personal connection with? I mean, if it's if it's you know a script and a part, then it's uh, you know it can be small. It can be a cameo in something, or it can be. But if it, it's got to mean something, mm. um, is that and, how you pick your roles? Uh, yeah, 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 okay. very, very much so, very much so. Yeah, because uh, and then and then in terms of directing, it's like, what am I passionate mm. enough about that I'm going to live with this for four years, five years, uh, you know, to, sure. before I see it come to fruition. So, um, and 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 I suppose there. Lots of different things going on at the moment. And the next thing we're developing once Jungle Book's finished is Animal Farm, George Orwell's Animal sure. Farm. Um, but, you know, looking further into the future, I, I kind of think I'm really looking forward to, to now that that performance capture sits in this really interesting space with, with all of these different story, new storytelling platforms, you know, as I say, virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, thinking, well, well, where are we going to be in 20 years' time? What, what is the next? New wave. That's the terrifying thought, right? You know, as fast collective as experience. Yeah. Um, or, or singular experience, but but and, and so we're trying to we're trying to figure that out at the Imaginarium, you know, or, or, or sort of, you know, find a way into that. Yeah. Do you? Where do you come down on? You know, a lot of people talk. Hi, how are you? A lot of people talk about how uh, movies and video games and TV and internet and everything, YouTube, are competing for the same mind share, right? 
as someone who's got a foot in just about everything, what, do you see a convergence point? Do you see movies falling away and video games coming up? Video games like uh, Lost, uh, Last Frontier coming out and being the thing that like pushed that medium forward and kind of combined it all? I, d I do think we've yet to discover a new collective experience. I yeah. mean, that, that is a combination of those things. And I don't think they're exclusive. I think they're actually they're all looking for how they can join, actually, and, yeah. and, and converge. Sure. I, I think that the convergence thing is true. And, mm. um, you know, so, so as I was saying, um, you know, we, we, we worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company on this pr production of The Tempest early in the year and had this actor uh, in a motion capture suit and we, we did the first sort of live performance capture actor on stage projecting real-time avatars in real, you know, oh, yeah. in, 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 a, in a Shakespeare play. And so then that leads you on to think, well, if you can do that, then when you have mixed reality glasses on, then you can have real actors, you can have, then you can have... Um, performance captured characters in the same space you can so I see it as a sort of a, a convergence of theatre cinema film and an immersiveness of video game Some, something's yet to happen right. but a combination of all of those things and, and, and a truly performance capture sits in the middle of it you know? yeah it's going to be fascinating right I mean you feel like I think video games are in such a different spot than they were 10 years ago. Yeah, and it yeah. is that people understand that they can go there, they can have a movie experience, a story experience yeah. I mean, tied to movies, and get any range of emotions they want from it. And then as, yeah, as you see AR, VR enter the fray now, it becomes that thing, we're trying to use it for games, but how could you use VR to put you into a seat at a symphony in Paris or right. a play in New York on Broadway? How do you yeah. make any of that go? That's what I don't think we figured out yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I think there's something to do with kind of like certainly in the without being photo real, there's a virtualized way of of creating story that you can sit right in the middle of in 360, which, sure. which you know, and I, and I and, and I'm going back to the Shakespeare thing. That 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 you know, I really want to do that. I yeah. really like to 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 have you where you can see the so you can be in the play as different characters oh, and you can switch characters and see the world from a different point of you know different yeah no totally that's fascinating view. that's a good idea um, so that's that for instance is a, is, a, is somewhere I'd like to take it gotcha what's the first step for that how do you get to that point just find the well, time well we've kind of no, well yeah <laughs> and the finance but but um, <laughs> um, but that, that's all it takes, isn't it? It's just the first one to get to get going, yeah. and then and then and then and then it happens. But but I'd like to do it in 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 a kind of conventional way. I mean, I'd like to rehearse it as a play, and then direct it in three sixty, and 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 avatar, you know, turn the characters, the actors into avatars, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then and then literally direct it for for, for in three sixty as a as a as a piece. I'm telling you, you got to get some sleep at some point, though. <laughs> you can't just keep running around doing all these crazy ideas. Now, there's a little boy who watches our content all the time. Yeah. He lives over in England. Hello. His name is Mike Biffle. Mike. Now, Mike makes video games every once oh, in a while. Amazing. You were in one called Volume. Really? I don't know if you remember this game, Volume. You were in it? I do. Yes. Okay, do. okay, okay. Mike's, Mike isn't a little boy. He's, he's a grown man. He's won a whole bunch of awards and stuff. Doesn't matter. But he, I, one of our, when I said I was going to interview with the audience, very, Mike's a, a popular personality on, uh, that comes on and visits oh, us great. once in a while. And so they, they were like, oh, ask, ask him about working on volume. And Mike was like, he won't remember. He remembers Mike. No, I do That's remember not. working on volume. It yeah. was re I really loved playing those characters. It was great. Right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I just wanted to put that out there, Mike Bethel. Don't worry. He always tells himself. He doesn't have the confidence. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mike, have the confidence. Thank you very much. Now tell Nick Scarpino to go to hell. Nick Scarpino, if you ever say that about me again, 
you're in big trouble. There we go, and that's what I like to hear. <laughs> so, how do you, this is going back, we're snapping back, sorry, because you're so fascinating. We talked about directing, where you want to go. When you go to be one of these characters, when you go to be Caesar, when you want to go into being the Star Wars movie, and be, I'm sorry, who are you playing again? Star Wars? Snoke. And, and what was his backstory again? Supremely Snoke. Well, actually, let me tell you all about it. Please, yeah. Well, how do you get in the headspace? But how do you yeah. go to get in the headspace? Because this, I mean, not to put, I mean, it's so weird, right, it, for me as an outsider, that you read the script, you understand the motivations, that's acting, sure. But then to go on set to be put into the ping pong ball suit to work, maybe not even with the actors. Oh, no, you always work with the actors. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, run me through yeah, it then. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the thing is, so you... So you when you when you when you start to create a character, it, it starts on the page. You you start to um, I mean I always approach it from a phys I've always approached building a character from a physical point of view because that for me physicality emotion emotion centers emotional muscle memory psychology voice character it, it's, they're all obviously intertwined they're, they're all you know so you you start to extrapolate from the script it starts to you know you start to think about how your life kind of interacts with that character. Sure. However, wherever it is on the spectrum, whether whether you're reaching out for a character that's a long way away from you or something that's very close to you. Um, so, uh, or, or in the journey of Caesar, for instance, uh, you know, I started off by looking out for, for inspiration and then it finally, as each movie came, moved along, it came closer and closer and closer to, to, to me and, sure. my, and my own personal journey. Um, so, um, then, then you go through this period of working with the avatar, so that you go onto um, into a motion capture volume, and you have this rehearsal period where you can literally see a grey shaded or simplified sort of uh, version a of that character. Version, right, yeah. And you know, and then you can start to move around, and you're looking into what is in effect a magic mirror, and you start to calibrate your movements, and you start to go, okay, well, if I slightly hunch over my shoulder here, you know, Gollum, I, I think. We can dial in it, Gollum's shoulder so that it's slightly even more curved, okay? So that so that I can go as far as I can go, but we can make it look like it's going even further. So you're learning to sort of puppeteer a, mari a marionette mm. that you are literally having this relationship with in in, in a mirror-like situation. That that is part of the rehearsal process. Then of course you forget about all that because you encode all of that into your muscle memory, sure. and then you know what you're doing physically. And then you're playing with your fellow actors. And then, um, for instance, in Apes, we had these long improvised um, sessions uh, where we would do, uh, you know, they were kind of ape camp, basically. And, and you'd, we'd do long like, improvisations that went on for three, three to four hours wow. where we would be, some apes would be sign lang languaging to each other, some beginning to use ape vocalizations, some, you know, Caesar was talking using proto-human language. And you, and you do, you sort of discover as an organism, as this kind of huge organism, how the, how the hierarchy of the group works, for instance. Yeah. So all of that then plays into turning over on set, the camera turns over and you're working with the director and you're, and you're shooting the scene very conventionally. Um, Yes, you're wearing a performance capture suit, but that's, there's, there's no difference between wearing a performance capture suit and a, and a costume in a live action movie. You're just, that's what you wear to go to work. So, yeah, so yeah. And, and you're in the moment and you act with your fellow actors. And, and then, you know, that's what gets put into the cut of the movie. And Matt Reeves, for instance, will, you know, lives for months and months and months with my face, not Caesar's face, in the cut. And he cuts the movie dramatically 
you know, he has to. That's what is. That's sure. what you've done. That's that's where the dramas come from. And then finally, the the visual effects start to come in, and it kind of it's an iterative process where he'll put Caesar's face up next to mine, and the, the, their first pass of animation, and he'll go, okay, well Caesar's really angry at this point, but there's also vulnerability in his eyes there. You can only see the anger, and they'll go back and they'll rework each shot, and sometimes there's like 120 iterations of each single wow. shot until it's exactly replicates the emotional content of the of, of the performance that was given on the day. Final question. What kind of physical toll does that take on you? Like, you know, no, we're in the same boat here. We're not spring chickens anymore. You know what I mean? You're over there. Well, I'm just, I mean, I got 10 years on you, clearly. But I'm just saying, you know, you're over there, you're doing this, you're all low, yeah, you're no, hunching your back. Like. It's, um, it, is, it is physically demanding playing those kinds of parts. I mean, I have to say it was much harder playing the young Caesar, the young chimpanzee, yeah. because I was quadrupeding all over the place and had the energy of a young... Uh, you know, chimp. Whereas uh, the great thing about Caesar growing older and, <laughs> growing, down. and growing more human-like, you know, I, yeah. I, I was able to, you know, give him more gravitas and have him sit down. And in the next movie, I know that well, there won't be a next movie, but but you know, I always imagined at one point I'd have Caesar sitting having a cocktail. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, looking through the newspaper. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Andy. You're a treasure. Thank you so much for your <laughs> Thank time. Thank you, man. It's pleasure hanging out with you. Remember, everybody, Planet of the Apes, the last. I don't know. It's actually not. It's Planet of the Apes. Last. Lost. Last, last frontier. frontier. It's something about Lost that gets in there. No, I, I was know. Like, you know what I'll do is I'll remember Last of Us because that's a story-driven game, yeah. and then I totally forgot about it. <laughs> so Planet of the Apes, Last Frontier, out November 21st. Exactly. All right? Looking forward to it on PlayLink, PlayStation, all that jazz. Until next time, it's been a pleasure to serve you. So that was me interviewing Andy Circus. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope Planet of the Apes, Last Frontier turns out because it seems really cool. It seems like something on my alley, as you know. Also... Seems like an easy PlayStation 4 Platinum. Probably have to play it a bunch, but I'm down for that. You know, I'm dying. I'm getting into the weeds here. Out the 21st of November. Hopefully it's great. If it's not, we now know where Andy Circus lives. What's Kevin? Sorry, no, we don't. That was a hotel. That's not where he lives full time. So I can't really help you if it's not good. But I think it's probably, it looks, how could it go wrong? Just playing and playing the names, making decisions, right? I don't know. I'm excited. If you liked it, like this video and or audio podcast you're listening to, send it out to your friends. Remember, the Kind of Funny Games cast posts each and every Friday early over on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can get it a couple days later for free on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. No matter where you get any of our shows, thank you so much for caring about us. It's our pleasure to make content for you. No, until next time, it's been my pleasure to serve you. Don't put Nick in any of the Planet of the Apes movies, Andy. Don't, don't, don't cave into him.